Welcome to the Combo Zone. I'm QP, your host for this podcast on modern arcade games. This episode is on Killer Queen. Killer Queen is a 2-10 player action strategy game from Bumblebear Games. The cabinet is actually two cabinets. Each of them has a 47-inch LCD monitors, plus additional HDMI outputs for projection and streaming. On each side, there are five joysticks and five buttons, one for each player. At the center of each cabinet is the queen joystick, which moves left, right, and down, and a button just like everyone else. And the four workers just have a joystick that moves left and right, and a button. Each cabinet is 67 inches wide and 76 inches tall, and weighs 450 pounds. These cabinets are connected together, so the game takes place simultaneously on both screens, with both cabinets showing the same screen as each other. Gameplay Overview Killer Queen is a strategy game. There are three ways to win. One is by killing the enemy queen three times. The second is by having the workers bring berries from their locations on the map back to the hive uh, for their team. If you fill your hive with berries, your team wins. And lastly, a worker can move a snail, which is always on the map, to a net on their side of the screen. If you do this as a worker, your team will win. Everyone can move and jump. The queen can fly by repeatedly tapping their jump button. It will fly in the air, and if they press down on the joystick, they will do a fast fall and dive quickly, attacking below them. The worker characters start off defenseless. If they bring a berry to one of the wing gates on the map, which is this portal with a white wing above it, and stand there, they will offer the berry and transform into a warrior. A warrior gets a sword, and they can fly. While they are not as fast as the queen, they can now kill enemies. The way combat works is, if you collide with an enemy and you are on top of them, and you are a queen or a warrior that has a sword, then you kill them. Or if you can hit them from behind, even if you're a little bit below them. So in this way, the gameplay is similar to Mario and Joust, if you played uh, those games. Mario in the sense that you're trying to land on top of the opponent, and Joust for the flying around an arena style experience. So that's the basics of how the combat works. I mentioned the wing gates. So the wing gates start off white, which means they're neutral. The team colors are orange and blue. Whenever a queen touches a wing gate, it instantly changes to that team's color. You can only use gates that are neutral or your team's color. This means that your queen can deny enemies from using a wing gate to turn into a warrior just by flying over the gate. There are also speed gates, which have lightning bolts above them. If a worker brings a berry to a speed gate, they will gain a huge speed boost. You'll be able to run around much faster, you'll be able to ride the snail faster, and if you become a warrior after getting the speed boost, you become a speed warrior, which looks just like a warrior, but you have much greater speed, and you actually have the most horizontal speed of any unit in the game, allowing you to hunt down the enemy queens. There's some physics in the game. The berries on the map can be hit by the queen or workers and warriors. 
a worker will pick up a berry if they are not carrying one, otherwise the berries will bounce around them. You can also bounce off uh, enemy's head by jumping on them if you don't have a sword. I mentioned maps. There are multiple maps to play on. You can pick these at the start of the game. Each one has its own set of environmental challenges. Uh, the basic map does not have uh, any vertical wraparound, for example, while the waterfall map does have a vertical wraparound and a horizontal wraparound. The maps will have different locations for the hive, where your characters start at, and different berry positions and snail positions. Anytime a character is killed, they'll respawn a few seconds later back at their hive. If a queen gets killed, one of their eggs will disappear, indicating that they have lost a queen life. The worker lives are infinite, so it's okay if workers die, and if a warrior gets killed, they come back as a worker. The berries on the map, however, are limited. So as the game progresses, you'll see a shift in how people approach the game because you know, there aren't as many berries to become warriors with. Okay, so that's a, that's a basic gameplay overview. And now let's talk about strategy. So Killer Queen is a very strategic game. Each individual action is actually very simple. You know, land on enemies' head to kill them. Okay, that's simple bring the berries back to the hive to win, or bring the snail over. All of those are simple on their own, but combine them with 10 people playing, and you can get very interesting emergent behavior. So, what should you do when you're playing Killer Queen? The first thing you should look for is protecting your queen. Losing by having your queen killed three times is the fastest way to lose the game, so it's something you should keep an eye out. If the opposing team is going mass warrior, you're going to have to go warrior yourself. If you're the queen and you see the enemies going warrior, you need to play defensively and fly around collecting the gates to turn them to your color and tell your team, hey, go warrior, I need your help. If you are going warrior, if it's possible to get the speed boost, uh, that is a huge, huge benefit. I think the speed boost is the most effective move in the game. And anytime you can get it, you probably should. Uh, of course, if you get killed, you lose the speed boost, but it makes it so much more likely that you won't get killed and you'll be able to outmaneuver to enemies to attack them better uh, or to run away or to collect berries. Now, when the enemy is collecting berries, you're going to want someone on ledge. And ledge refers to position just outside of the enemy's hive. The hives typically have a wall on one side, so they're only really approachable from one side. One of the maps does have that uh, a little bit different, where you can approach from the top. But generally, there'll be a direct access to the hive from one direction. So if you see the enemies going for berries, you'll want someone on ledge. And this means put a warrior on that ledge and camp it. Now, it's not as easy as just standing there, because the workers can jump over you. And as a warrior, you've got to be pressing your button to flap to gain height. And you're going to move up slower at first, depending on how fast you tap, compared to their jump. So there's a little bit of prediction and reaction involved. So there's a couple things to remember here. One, it's best to be about in the middle of the hive, vertically, so that you can easily fall to land on an enemy. Worker that's trying to sneak in, and also gives you a better chance to fly up 
to intercept someone who's jumping above you. You can only kill them if you land on top of them when they're coming in like that. So if they land on top of you, they might just bounce back, which doesn't really remove the threat. It will slow them down for a little bit, but doesn't remove it. And if they can get a far enough jump over you and still land on top of you, they'll just bounce over you to on the other side and get their berry in the hive, which you don't want. So you need to practice floating in the middle of that ledge when there's enemy workers nearby. Now to fight this as workers, you want to team up. So call out to one of your teammates and say, hey, we're going to go at the same time. And get up, and you want someone to go high and someone to go low. You want to time it in such a way that it is very difficult or impossible for them to catch both of you at the same time. But you do need to be careful. If they anticipate this, they might step out and move away from the ledge just a little bit to catch one of you on your way up. So there's a little bit of cat and mouse in, in sort of a rock, paper, scissors field of this, which makes for some interesting decisions. Now, all these little dynamics don't happen in isolation. So while you're trying to get your berries in and the warrior is trying to stop you, other things are happening. As a worker, you've got to watch out for enemy warriors coming up from the side to kill you. You've got to watch out that the enemy isn't taking berries from your side of the map and limiting your berry supply, or that enemy warriors aren't just hitting berries that, uh, say you get killed by the ledge camper, and then that warrior or another warrior just hits that barrier away, and now it's no longer on that side of the map. So you've got to watch your thing, these things and be able to react to them. If your queen gets killed, or if the enemy queen gets killed, and you're camping ledge, they're going to come out and be intangible for a few seconds. But when they turn tangible again, they'll be able to hit you. So you've got to watch out. If you're just sitting there floating in the middle, and they're flying up to the ceiling, and they're just going to drop on you, you're dead. So you've got to pay attention to these things. So I've talked about uh, going warrior to protect the queen. I talked about berries and, and camping against berries. So now I'll talk about combat. So again, it's a very simple mechanic, land on top of them. But there is a, some more interaction with that. So if he, two enemies hit each other and neither of them has a height advantage, they will bounce back and it'll be this knockback effect. If you can predict that knockback effect from a skirmish, let's say your teammate goes up, bounces into an enemy, they both have their heads against the ceiling on one of the platforms, and in the knockback, you drop down on them and get the kill. You've got to watch for this, and if they're trying to do this to you, you'll want to fall and dodge them. And falling is your best way to dodge when you have a ceiling above you. So instead of trying to edge out the last little bit of distance, which can be impossible if the enemy warrior or queen has had a stick. The sticking is where you just keep mashing jump so that you hit the ceiling, you'll bounce a few times, and you'll just stay up there. No one can get above you when you're under that platform. But if you fall and they're expecting you to go right at you, it's possible they can overshoot you. And then when they're trying to react to the fact that you fell, so they'll start falling, and then you can possibly mix them up. They might overshoot you. They might turn around as you fly under them, and then you turn around after that. And so you can juke them and get around them. This is important as a worker, too. To Sometimes you'll jump up, and they'll stay there thinking you're going to uh, try to leap over them in case they fell. Instead, you just fall back down and run under, or juke back, jump back, and then 
make a big jump back over. Now, a big jump can be done as a worker by holding down the jump button. The longer you hold the jump button, the higher you go. This is not shown in the game's uh, tutorial. A lot of people I've seen play this don't recognize this. It's something that comes over from a lot of other games, uh, other video games. Uh, but if you don't know about it, life as a worker can be very difficult because it's a lot trickier to make a lot of the ledge jumps. There's also a technique you can do as a worker. When you land on an enemy's head, you won't kill them. You'll just get a little knockback effect. But if you press down, jump again, hold it as you hit them, you'll make a bigger jump off them. So instead of just bouncing back a little bit, you'll go up much further, which helps you control your trajectory. And it can also surprise them if they were expecting you to just go back a little bit. So there are all these little different techniques you can do to gain a small advantage uh, in combat. Now as a queen, you have a tremendous amount of mobility, but your job isn't necessarily to just go out killing the enemy. One thing you really want to focus as a queen is maintaining gate control. If the gates go in favor of the opponents, then after a skirmish, they can respawn as warriors and they can respawn and become warriors and your team can't. So it's very bad. So you want to be flying around the map grabbing gates. You want to watch for your teammates, see what they're going for. And most importantly, you want to communicate, ask them questions. Hey, do you need, the, do you need warrior? Do you need the left gate or do you need center gate? Call things out to them. And they should do the same to you. Hey, queen, I need center gate, right? Hey, queen, I'm being chased by warriors. Help me out. Hey, queen, I need help. Each worker has a distinct pattern on their chest. And it's also the same pattern that's on the arcade console. So you can look down and see who you are. And as a queen, you can also look, take a quick glance and look at the console and say, oh, that's that player, right? That's, that's who they are. And since that position's always the same on, uh, uh, for every cabinet, it's something you can easily uh, memorize and figure out who's who. So gate control is important. And oftentimes the queen is a very effective ledge camper, but generally the queen is better off not being on ledge. Two reasons. One, the risk of an enemy queen coming back and then you have a very limited amount of space to fight in that you can't really control and you have other enemy workers respawning there and interfering with you with your movement by jumping on your head. So there's that risk. And the other problem with it is that a warrior can do a pretty good job of camping ledge. And a worker can't do you know, gate conversions and can't chase down uh, workers that are far away from the ledge with berries or the snail. Now, the snail is an interesting part of the game. And I view it as sort of a timer. Most games don't end with snail victory. They usually end economic with the berries in the hive or military by killing uh, the enemy queen three times. But here's the thing. If you're in sort of a stalemate where your warriors are fighting each other and the queens aren't really dying and the berry runners keep getting killed and fight's not really going anywhere decisively, that's a great time for the next warrior that dies or a worker who's being repeatedly killed trying to score berries to hop on the snail and start pulling it over. Even just a little bit can make a threat for the enemy and divert the resources to say, instead of being on your ledge, they go after the snail and your teammates can score berries. Or instead of trying to hunt their queen, they go after the snail. 
Now, a snail does take a long time, and really, you can easily ignore the snail for a while, too. But it's the thing that, if you ignore it for too long, and you just keep ignoring it, you think, oh, I'll deal with that later, at some point, it can be too late. And then the whole game will revolve around that snail almost getting the net, and then an economic victory happens, or almost getting to net, and then a skirmish happens around it, and they do get in. So you really got to watch for that. If you are a worker and you get on the snail, you can jump off, and you should jump off. There are two situations where, two main situations where you'll want to jump off. One, an enemy warrior is coming. If they kill you, that's bad. You're going to have to respawn. That's just a waste of time. The second is when an enemy worker gets close. If an enemy worker hits your snail while you're riding it, your snail will start eating the worker. This takes a few seconds and you can't interrupt it. So you can't jump off during the eating animation. This is very bad because this means you're vulnerable for an enemy warrior to come and kill you. If they kill you before the snails finish eating their worker, then the worker can just hop on the snail. So if you see either kinds of threat, you wanna jump off. Now that doesn't mean that you run away. You might just jump off and say, hey, I need a warrior on the snail. Hey, help me recover snail, right? And hang around for a teammate to kill the enemy worker or at least scare them off and then escort you as you go further. Something I like to do with the snail at the start of a round is just pull it over just a little bit. And the reason for it is this. At the start of a round, no one's about to win, so that means my team's not about to lose. So it's still very up in the air. And I don't really know what the enemy's going to do, but my queen's going to be out there you know, grabbing gates. There's going to be at least one or two teammates that are going to want to go warrior or go for speed warrior. So I expect to have warriors on my team pretty quickly. So if I can pull a snail over just a little bit, it means that if we get locked into a sort of stalemate situation, well, the snail's on our side, so we have the advantage there. So if the enemy wants to start taking that advantage away and start pulling the snail over, they're just bringing it back to neutral. It's not from neutral to in uh, on their side. It's, oh, they're returning it to where it was at the game start in neutral position. It's just a little extra buffer, a little extra safety. And it's also nice to switch around riding a snail as you're running berries. Hey, I'm running berries. I'm near the snail. I'll hop on for like three seconds because no one else is around. Pull it over for a few seconds, then jump off. This is great for creating a threat, and it's also good for messing with your enemy, right? They don't know what you're doing. And Killer Queen is much more easily won if you can be successful on multiple fronts at once than just trying to do one thing over and over. So that's some strategy for Killer Queen. There is a lot more uh, in Killer Queen, and really the best way you can get good at this game, I think, is by playing it. Play and discuss. Play and chat with your teammates, with your friends, with strangers you play with, and the enemy team. Ask them how they did things. Ask them why they did things, what they were thinking about. And while you're playing, communicate. This is very important. I believe that communication is such an important skill at this game. There is a lot of technical ability as far as just being able to do things consistently, but most of the techniques aren't very hard in the game. So there's only so far that pure tech skill will get you. You know, you can do a few fancy things and being more consistent than the enemy is helpful. But if they're coordinating just better than you and cooperating better, they're going to crush you. So you have to do that to them. 
So stay communicating, call out threats, tell the queen what you need, and work with each other. You need to adapt to win Killer Queen. Very, very important. If something's not working, mix it up. And if your queen just got killed in two skirmishes very quickly, tell them to back off, right? Tell them, hey, queen, play safe. You know, I'll escort you or just fly around. And the queen flying around might waste, you know, one or two enemy warriors' time chasing after them. But with the queen's superior speed and ability to dive, they just keep running away. So you'll learn all these different tactics and you'll apply them. And success will come in applying one for a little bit until it's no longer going to be effective or you see something that will be more effective in switching it up. If you try the same thing, you'll get killed. You stay adaptive and respond to what your enemy's doing and what, what the map needs at that time, you'll do very well. Okay, so that's strategy for Killer Queen. And now I'll talk about what I like about this game. I like this game a lot. It is, <laughs> it is incredibly fun. It's, it's amazing. It really is. The emergent strategy is beautiful. I have not seen any arcade game quite like this before. You know, it's one thing to be playing like a two-on-two game and say uh, NBA Jam, right? That, that, that's neat, right? There's, there's some coordination, there's some cooperation, but you just got one ball, right? Instead of a whole bunch of berries and multiple gates and snail position in different states that your units can be in, right? It's, Killer Queen's a whole lot more complicated than other games just from having more components in it uh, that interact with each other at once. So I like that a lot. I like the multiple ways that you can win the game. I think it gives players an opportunity for interesting strategies. Like I said, pulling the snail over whenever an economic or military victory just isn't looking that great. Or, hey, queen, go fly around, just hide, just stay safe, and we're going to go go camp ledge, right, and catch up economically, right? It gives you options. It also means that players who are good at different things can excel, Right? You might have someone who's got a pretty good game sense and good timing for when to get on the snail, when not to, but they're not that great at actually outsmarting someone uh, camping ledge running berries back. That's okay. They can go pull on snail and be successful at that and make a threat for the uh, other team to have to react to. I like the variety in the units. I think it's interesting that the queen can dive and the warriors can't. That gives the queen a special power, and it's something you have to watch out for as enemy worker or warrior. The queen is far superior in combat to you, so you are kind of forced to use good teamwork to take them out, because if you don't, they'll just crush you one-on-one. So I like that the advantage the queen has forces good teamwork. I like that there are different maps. There are three main maps uh, from when I first saw. Last time I played it, I did see that there was a a new map, so apparently there's been an update, which uh, is great, like that the game's being updated. There's also a few bonus round maps that uh, have a few modifications to them and have some different uh, different experiences. So I like the variety. It it means that you can pick for an experience that you want, like, oh, I, I want to try this map because I like the gameplay on this. And it's been neat. Which maps I liked have actually rotated as I played the game. Uh, more and more, which has been really fun to see, like, oh, my strategies are evolving, how I play the game is evolving, and I want these different experiences. It's 10 players. I love that. (laughs) You can play with so many people, and it works well, right? It's not like they're just doing nothing. They're actually contributing to the game and making it more interesting. 
However, if you don't have 10 players, that's okay. The game supports AIs, and the AIs are actually pretty good. They aren't super bright, but they will do something very effectively. Mostly they run berries or pull snail. Now, they're not gonna jump off the snail. They're not, <laughs> they're not bright, but they will get on the snail and they will bring berries back to the hive. So even if you don't have a full team, you're not completely handicapped because AI is at least doing some work and sometimes can be more effective than, uh, than say a totally new player. So you know, they're, not, they're, they're not totally bad like someone just learning how to play for the first time. Uh, so I really like that. Okay, things I don't like about Killer Queen. There are a few things. Uh, one of them is the sticking mechanic, the way that if you keep flying rapidly enough, you can stick to the top of a platform, or rather a, the bottom of a platform that's top of the ceiling for you. Uh, this means that you are now invulnerable from above because no one can land on you. And this feels kind of game-breaking because the whole point of the combat is to be higher than someone, right? And now you've got a situation where, ha, you can't be higher than them. Hmm, so they just kind of control that area. Now, it's restrictive, right? They can't move away from their ceiling without being vulnerable again. But just the, the way it feels, playing against it and playing as it, it's kind of weird. When you play as it, when you do that, it kind of feels like you're out of the game for a second. Like, you're just kind of waiting for someone to get too close, right? Uh, but you also feel very safe, and you're just tap, 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 right? Mash, 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 staying up there. So it, it's it's a weird experience. It doesn't feel like you're in combat. I think it would be more interesting if you're, you didn't bounce off the ceiling and then bounce less and less each time you hit it, but rather if you made a big bounce off the ceiling each time you hit it. That way you have to control your timing that you would want to fly close to the ceiling as close as you can to get the best height advantage over an enemy, but if you went too far up, you would bounce way far down, making you vulnerable. And that could also be an advanced movement technique that you bounce and hit the ceiling on purpose to get a downward movement boost. So I think that that could have been more interesting. The maps are good, and I do wish there were more maps. Now, this is kind of a funny thing to critique because the game is amazing, even with just the, the three maps. It really is. They're very different from each other. They play very differently. They have different terrain features, and I like that a lot. However, they're still very simple, and I think it's pretty simple to make new maps, and they could have tried different arrangements of the maps, and it wouldn't have been a whole lot more work, I think, to make symmetrical maps with different kinds of terrain. Th again, this is a really minor thing. The game is really fun, but I do think that the excitement to play and longevity of it would be increased if there were more maps to play. Okay, now for the thing I dislike the most about Killer Queen, and that is the flying mechanic. And I'm not talking about the sticking, but actually the fact that you have to press the button repeatedly to fly. You've heard me say mash, mash, mash a few times this episode because that's what you have to do. The faster you mash, the faster you fly. This is annoying and this is painful, okay? I type for a living, so I really don't like using my fingers more to tap, 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 where the skill is just who can press the fastest. The way the buttons are designed too, they don't press down very easily, so it, they're a little difficult and heavy to press compared to uh, other kinds of buttons, so I, I don't like that. And it's not a strategic choice. You always should mash as fast as you can to gain height as fast as you can 
or not be meshing, right? You're, if you want to gain height, you should want to gain it as quickly as possible. And I've had annoying experiences where I know how to move, but I just don't want to mash that fast or have trouble mashing that fast uh, to actually gain the advantage. So that actually makes me not want to play the game, especially as a queen, uh, which is also frustrating for me because when I play the queen, I do okay, and people say, hey, you should stay queen, or hey, I saw you play, you should play queen again. Well, okay, I'll play, I don't really want to, right? And it's really annoying to me, and it, it, it's not, again, it's not a strategic thing, it's just this, it just feels very tacked on and sort of legacy from this old style of thinking that we have to just engage in a physical way with the button instead of a strategic way. So how would I fix this? Very simple. If you're holding the button, you're flying. Whatever that rate is that the game designers think is a good rate for you to ascend, that's the rate that you fly at, right? I think that would be great. Hold it down to fly, release it, and you fall. That's simple. An alternative to that, which could be interesting, is that when you press the button, your character's wings flap if you're flying, and there's a certain rate that you want to flap to get the biggest boost, where if you mash, you are not gaining that much height or not really gaining any height or even going the wrong way because your wings like pushed up and then you shot down. So something where it's like tap, 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 tap or something where you could gain huge boost with a steady but easy to press rhythm. Uh, I do prefer the just holding the fly just because it simplifies things and that's how you think as a player is do I want to go up or not? So that's what I would change and, and what I don't like about Killer Queen. Okay, lessons for designers. Oh, one, innovate. This is amazing, right? It's a 10-player game. It's two cabinets. It's not even just one cabinet. It's two cabinets with a decently complex gameplay, right? It's you know three ways to win, different units, different maps you can play on. It's complicated, and people like that. Uh, that's that's great. So innovate and make something new. That's really cool. There are cup holders in the console. This is very smart. These machines are at barcades, right? Barcades have drinks. People want to set their drinks down. You got a cup holder. Perfect. Very smart decision there. Another lesson. Every character has their picture on the console that matches who they are on the screen. So you're not just, you know, another orange team member, right? You can look at you and see, oh, I'm, you know, I'm abs because that my character's got abs. So I, I recognize that. And that's something that the game doesn't really tell you, but I've seen people point out to other players, oh, hey, you're abs, right? So who am I? Well, just press jump and see who jumps. Okay, that's you. See abs? That's abs there on the console. That's you. Oh, I get it now. Very nice. Uh, learning aid there. The game also does a pretty good job, I think, of telling you how the game works in the attract mode. Instead of just showing gameplay, they show you what looks like a sort of tutorial mode from other games where it's this very simple white background and then you've got the characters moving around. It's like, hey, there's three ways to win. You know, if you lay on top of someone's head when you're a warrior or a queen, you kill them. If you fill up the hive, do the snail, right? And so it shows you these interactions in isolated way that if you're just watching the game going, what are these giant cabinets doing in, in this arcade? 
what's going on in this game, you can watch it and get a little bit of feel for it. So I really like that. Overall, Killer Queen is an amazing game, and Bumblebear Games has done a great job, I think, of contributing to modern arcade games, and they've even taken on the responsibility of running a tournament scene for Killer Queen, which is very cool. And at the National, it's coming up in Chattanooga at, uh, uh, in October. I believe that is uh, Bumble Fest. No, Bumble Bash. So at Bumble Bash, uh, they are having some other arcade games, including one of th their other games, and uh, Death Ball, which I will be talking about in next episode. So I think it's great that they are, well, they call themselves the vanguards of <laughs> the vanguards of arcade games, and I think they are absolutely filling that role. So thanks, Bumblebear, for making this great, fun-to-play and inspirational game, and thanks to you for listening to this Combo.Zone podcast, and I'll see you next time.